on the next episode of Sip Suds and Smokes. Today's episode is about coffee, but it's from a single origin. And in this case, it's going to be the country of Ethiopia. Oh, the land of happy goats holds much of the early stories of coffee. Well, we'll get to hear all about that a little bit later. We have at least four coffees to chat about today. Yeah, we've got some really interesting coffees from the birthplace of coffee, which of course is Ethiopia. We've got four coffees and they're going to highlight a little bit of the processing difference as well as regional differences in Ethiopian coffee. So we've got a Wash Yirgachev. These coffees are all from the, the south of the country a natural process Ethiopia Sidamo, a wash process Sidamo. Did I already say that? Maybe I did. And then a natural process Guji. Unusual name, but really fantastic coffee. We'll be right back after this break. live from the dude in the basement studios why because that's where the good stuff is it sips suds and smokes with your smoking host the good old boys It's sipping time. Hey, welcome to the Sips episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts, co-hosts, victim. <laughs> this is good boy, Mike. <laughs> I have a really uh, well-caffeinated crew here today. Uh, welcome to the show, good old boy, Scott. Hello. And welcome, good old gal, Marina. Hello. And Reverend Mark is going to be here. Hello. Well, our sip segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee. Today's episode is about coffee, but it's from a single origin. And in this case, it's going to be the country of Ethiopia. So we have a pretty cool uh, place to talk about here on the planet. Oh, the land of happy goats holds much of the early stories of coffee. What will get to hear all about that a little bit later we have at least four coffees to chat about today and our topic worthy of discussion emotional support animals yeah you're just i I, I, the thrill that you have you're like hey honey come listen to this i think my coffee counts as an emotional support animal yes i i can hear people almost going "Hmm, should i mute now or later or later later (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) probably the case so Scott actually helped us to select all of the beans we're going to be talking about today. Scott, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be tasting. Sure, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, we've got some really interesting coffees from the birthplace of coffee, which, of course, is Ethiopia. We've got four coffees, and they're going to highlight a little bit of the processing difference as well as regional differences in Ethiopian coffee. So we've got a Wash Yirgachev. These coffees are all from the, the south of the country. A natural process Ethiopia Sidamo a wash process Sidamo. did i already say that maybe i did i don't know might need to make no. a cup of coffee and then a natural process guji unusual name but really fantastic coffee and of course as we already said our 
worthy topic of discussion is emotional support pets. I've got my cats here. They're supporting me emotionally. <laughs> so if this is your first time with coffee or you're looking for some more basic education on coffee, you can always check out our Coffee 101 episode and our Coffee Journey episode. The lights go down in the city. Definitely not that journey, not that journey. Now, I, when I lived in the Bay Area, they were on the radio a lot, and um, I think it was only because they were from there they were on the radio. Sorry if you like journey. That's not my problem. All right, so those links are on our episode notes, and you can search for them anywhere. Thanks, Scott. Marina gets the honors. At least I'm thinking that that word, most likely it's you know the expendable crew member the person most likely to not Uh-oh. say no, Mike, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> she gets the honors of going over our sips ratings today, keeping with our tradition that new co-hosts get the honor of reading these, but it's with a twist, you know? So, I mean, we are in the land of elephants here. So I'm going to let you go for your favorite Dumbo voice or frankly, you know, any elephant for that matter. So, you know, <laughs> go for it, Marina. Well, at least you didn't ask me to do it in the uh, voice of a goat. Which, uh, <laughs> it was a toy. It was a, a toy toss. It was a coin toss. Wow. Yeah. Toy toss. More, yeah. more gin at table six. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I'll do my, I'll do my best Dumbo voice here. Uh, we'll, we'll be tasting and discussing these coffees all from Ethiopia and rating them with our sips ratings plus signature sounds. Do I? I don't have to make the sounds too, do I, Mike? No. Okay. Whew. Uh, well, here are those ratings now. Sips ratings. One, give me a glass of water to wash out my my trunk or a hose and a bucket. Water. Bring water. Bring water. Uh, sips rating two. Uh, nice. But what other peanuts do you have? Well, isn't that nice? Uh, three. Hmm. Interesting. What? What was this again? Interesting. Sips rating number four. Uh, let's keep this secret to ourselves. Please uh, hose me another. That's classified. Classified. Five. Oh my! I was unaware anything could be this good, and elephants oh never forget. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was I was unprepared for that sound effect. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> usually don't give out ratings for you know performances in the first five minutes, but I'm telling you, that was just really good, almost worthy of a slow clap. So <laughs> when uh, when Dumbo met Sally, was that uh, that last sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> Doing so well right up to that point. <laughs> No. Um, all right. I have some background on Ethiopia, but I'm hoping I can just use my regular voice. Yes, we will let you do that. Yes, Although please. it was very entertaining. <laughs> happy, happy to be of service. Um, so rumor has it that Ethiopian coffee was initially discovered around 850 AD by an Ethiopian goat herd named Kaldi. Kaldi noticed his goats acting unusually energetic after grazing on the coffee cherries, which led the goat herd to pick some for later. He took these beans to a local monastery where the monks supposedly cast them into the fire for fear of evil magic. Once they smelled the delightful roasted aroma, however, they 
took the beans out of the fire, ground them up, and brewed them in water. Uh, while Ethiopia is the essential birthplace of coffee, this legend, however, is more likely mythical than factual. Regardless of Ethiopian coffee's humble beginnings, it's time to see why Ethiopian coffee is worth a try. Now, each coffee-producing region of Ethiopia provides various growing conditions, with generally only six regions contributing the majority of the country's coffee. And three of them, Sadamo, Harar, and Yirgacheff, are trademarked by the Ethiopian government, just like champagne. Let's learn a little more about them. Sadamo. The Sadamo region, or Sadama, the two are largely interchangeable, is located in Ethiopia's southern highlands at sky-high elevations between 4,900 and 7,200 feet. At these elevations, coffee beans are designated SHG, or strictly high-grown. Higher elevation means slower growth, and this longer growth period allows the beans to absorb more nutrients from the soil, which in turn results in a more complex flavor profile. Good Sadamos are vibrant and crisp, with sweet florals, citrus notes, and a nice clean aftertaste. Guji. And I always, I always love the term Guji because to me it sounds like juicy. Um, and so when I think of Guji coffees, I think a lot of that juicy flavor. Um, Guji used to be considered a subregion of Sadamo until about 10 years ago, when it became recognized as a distinctive coffee growing region with its own unique characteristics. Guji's heirloom coffee varietals are known for their strong, full flavored beans. Aside from a tart acidity, coffee from this region features floral and dark chocolate tones. Yirgacheff is another micro-region of the larger Sadamo and produces some of the world's most well-known, well-loved, and unique coffees. Traditionally washed, these beans make the Earl Grey tea of the coffee world, intensely aromatic, elegant, floral, with fruity notes like berries and citrus. Harar, the fourth uh, growing region we're going to discuss, is renowned as one of the oldest coffee producing regions. Harar coffee is still sorted and processed by hand to this day, mainly in the dry or natural style. The profile is striking wine-like without being overly acidic with a creamy full body and flavors like chocolate covered blueberries. And it's really hard. I, I don't see a lot of Harar these days. Um, maybe Scott can explain why, um, as I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I last time I was in Ethiopia was almost uh, twenty years ago, and even even then, the Harar coffees were super rare. That area of the country typically has very little rainfall and suffers from uh, crop failures and drought and such. So the production is gets smaller and smaller each year. So when you find the true Harars, they're super cool looking. The beans are kind of long, football shaped, and almost a little bit of a of a golden color before you before you roast them um but very rare very expensive much of the coffee actually doesn't leave the region lots gets it's exported from ethiopia to the middle east and other places so in the u.s mm. we we don't see as much as we used to which is uh which is a bummer mm. yeah you know the um the only thing i've had that's similar to harar is um yemen coffee which is is also very hard to find um it's also traditionally naturally processed i think um I think I spoke to a, an importer who described them being spread out on the rooftops um, in order to dry in the sun. Um, and, uh, and so if you get an opportunity to taste coffee from Yemen, that's going to be very similar to this kind of old school Harar Ethiopian, in my opinion. Scott's nodding, so he may or may Absolutely. not agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, now, an invitation into an Ethiopian home 
is considered an incomplete invitation if it does not include coffee. Coffee is, uh, is essential to Ethiopian hospitality culture. And, and many times an invitation is often unnecessary and it's common for visitors to simply stop in when the aroma of coffee hits the air. Now, I have to admit that I've never attended an Ethiopian coffee ceremony, but if there is an Ethiopian restaurant where you are um, and they offer a coffee ceremony, then, uh, then it's definitely an experience worth checking out. I've, I've been recommended to attend one of these for a while. It's, it's where the beans are roasted in front of you on the fire, very traditionally ground um, in like a mortar and pestle type of device and, and brewed right in front of you. Um, Coffee has been a longstanding heritage of Ethiopian culture, stood the test of time, and will remain for centuries to come. Uh, regardless of your taste and style or preferred coffee preparation, you can rest assured that there will be an Ethiopian coffee to fit your vibe. Now, let's charge right into our first bean today, which is the washed Yirgashev. So, uh, Scott, why don't you give us a little bit of background on this uh, right here before break? Why did you pick the washed Yirgashev? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, I picked the Wash Yurgachev as they're probably the most, um, I would say, exotic or, or historically well-known uh, coffees coming out of Ethiopia. Yurgachevs are known for having flavors of, of bl- black tea and citrus and florals. Hey, we'll be right back after this break. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's Sips episode, this is a coffee episode, and coffee. we're actually coffee, you know, uh, and we're talking about single origins, and our single origin of choice today is Ethiopia. We were just going through some background on Ethiopian copies from Marina, and Scott actually was giving us the background on the wash, Yurgachev. I'll let you actually back up if you just want to. So I had asked you kind of, why did you pick this one? Right. Sure, Mike. Yeah, I, I think um, if I look at all the the classic archetypes of coffee and what you know what each country might be famous for, Ethiopia Yirgacheff has always been one of those exotic coffees, and they were a little bit rare and harder to find back in the early days with specialty in the '60s and '70s. But now Yirgacheff is kind of the old stalwart, um, as are Washidamos. But this particular Yirgacheff that I sent you guys is super floral it has the classic notes of Yirgachev, which are black tea believe it or not and huh. a kind of heady perfumey note and a lot of uh of citrus specifically like lemon kind of stuff in the background so to me this was like okay classic Yirgachev. let's have the guys taste this one yeah so my cupping notes are not even remotely close to some of those so <laughs> anyway <laughs> so i wrote down uh let's see well, so I did get it was rather fruity, although the fruit that I was picking up on was blueberries. Um, I thought it was uh, had good balance about it. I really thought it was super squeaky clean. Um, and we use that term. It just means it's just not leaving any aftertaste, you know, kind of on, on mm-hmm. the palate itself. Um, let's see. I wrote down a few other things here. Low acid. Uh, it's a good, solid example, I thought. You know, this is a... This is a region of coffee that I, when most people uh, were first introduced to Ethiopia, this is like the gateway, you know, uh, variety, I think, uh, or the gateway region of an Ethiopian that people are going to probably find most predominant. Lesser known fact, too, which is kind of cool, is that um, Yirgachevs are actually considered Sidamo coffees hmm. because it occurs hmm. uh Yirgacheff is in, or Yirga Alam, which are kind of the small little towns there, are in the Sudamo region. 
but it was just brought out years ago as a sub-region because the coffee flavor was so special and unusual. Interesting. Well, I'm sorry I didn't describe any of those classics. What else did you guys think about this in your cupping of this? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because the the, the Yirgashaf actually is is one of those eye-opener coffees where it, sometimes it can taste much more like tea than, than coffee, and it definitely doesn't have that rich, almost kind of chocolatey, nutty, kind of roast-forward flavor profile that a lot of us that's is very kind of South American, Indonesian, right? That, that you you associate with coffee. Like if something is tasting like coffee, usually a Yirgashaf does not have that classic taste like coffee. Coffee flavor. Um, I actually disagreed with Scott in that I got a lot of oolong tea out of this instead uh. of black tea. Um, so we can we can fight about that later. That would just make you wrong. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's but see. Which button do I hit there? Ooh. Uh-oh. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> um, otherwise, I got a lot of his... His same tasting notes, I got a lot of that lemon, lime, grapefruit, really, really citrusy, a lot of floral. Um, I thought that it was um, it was really interesting as it, as it cooled. There was, there was almost this, um, almost like an, a pancake batter sort of flavor to it, like a, like a doughy, like a really nice doughy flavor, um, which is probably some sort of floral. Usually if something tastes a little chalky or doughy to me, I think that there's, there's a floral character there. Um, and then I, I got a little bit of effervescent, like herbal note. So, so I thought, like, if it would, if I was pairing this coffee with something, it would be some kind of either fruity scone or like maybe an herbal scone, like a chive scone, um, and that would uh, that would sit really nicely with this kind of this kind of cup. Mm. Cool, Reverend Mark or Scott, what did you guys think about it? For me, uh, I, I parallel a lot of what uh, Scott said initially. For me, though, I, I picked up on the aroma of some honeysuckle, uh, hmm. just uh, very faint. So I'm hearing uh, a lot of people saying floral things because oolong tea is is very floral. I think of it as very floral, and mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. and honeysuckle definitely you know has a very distinct you know aroma about it. I, I agree that the the acidity was you know not overbearing. It was, but it was still fairly bright and and just finished clean. And it seemed to me to be a coffee that I could drink all day, although I don't drink coffee all day, uh, but the, it's very approachable. On a second tasting, I got even some kind of cinnamon or kind of earthy cinnamon herbal notes. Uh, and kind of a, uh, another note is a, a grassiness, just a, it could be lemongrass, but just kind of a grassy aspect. I actually wrote green peppercorn down, so I think I was probably tasting the same thing that you were. Mm-hmm. Scott, anything else to add here? Yeah, just I, I think that um, what Marina said early on, I, I think makes a lot of sense. These are kind of non-coffee coffees out of Ethiopia. You know, you don't traditional cup, cupping notes are not of things like, wow, this tastes like blueberry or this reminds me of flowers or this is, uh, you know, lemon juice or whatever the thing might be. These are unusual and, and set themselves apart in the coffee world because of their sort of diverse and unusual flavor profiles. Cool. It's also uh, it's also interesting to note that we're we're referring to all these coffees by their by their regions, and Ethiopian coffees tend to be referred to by their regions because a lot of the beans are heirloom, meaning they're naturally growing coffee varieties. Now, no other parts of the world we there were there were beans specifically transported to these regions to be grown there, um, and so you'll see more of the bean type referred to in the name. We're uh, we're not referring to the the bean varietal in any of these. Um, and I think that the one that, that bucks this trend is, is the Gesha. If you find a Gesha anywhere, mm. um, then that's, that's definitely worth, worth calling out. 
Well, and I think uh, usually when you find at least this labeling characteristic, and, and I think uh, Ethiopian, most of this is harvested through a co-op process. And so you don't find, you know, um, reference to a particular, you know, estate or, you know, from this part of Yergeshev or something like that. They're all, you know, harvested together. Common uh, varietal beans are actually harvested and blended together in a co-op, right? Kind of. I mean, the thing that, that they the Ethiopian producers would, would call their properties is, is sort of like a coffee garden. You know, everyone has a, a coffee garden in their backyard and they might bring their, their cherries to a, a cooperative mill or right. private milling station. But yeah, it's, it's small holders, small production. Um, you're dead on there. There's not a lot of big estates to be found um, anywhere in the country, really, with yeah. the exception of, uh, of the eastern part. Well, our SIPS rating here for the washed Yura Chef is going to be a three. Interesting. Well, we definitely have a topic worthy of discussion today, and Reverend Mark is going to tell us, as we hold hands with each other, is your, is. all about emotional support pets. Yes, yes, support pets. I just love them. I love to hate them sometimes. <laughs> I was in higher education for 27 wow. years, and we actually had to deal with the subject of support pets long before it was socially acceptable um and even my secretary at one time uh before she came to our office was in the chancellor's office and one of her jobs i'm not lying about this is that she kept the weekly calendar for the chancellor's wife's dog yes so we kind of rolled with this show up in outlook i mean do i know if <laughs> if the dog's attending the meeting or not or you know <laughs> Got to take a whiz at 8.06. You know, I mean, you know, what's this look like on my calendar? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, I could see how during certain times of the year, you know, for the, the clientele that we were dealing with that, 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 that uh, support dogs mostly, but any kind of pet would certainly be good to, you know, bring in to, you know, that setting to, reduce a little bit of stress and, you know, just kind of get everybody kind of loosened up for uh, final exams, whatever's going on. But, uh, you know, it seems to be at a whole different level now. I'm talking like maybe 10 years ago when all this was going on. So uh, now we see that, uh, you know, any kind of pet uh, can provide some interesting moments. Uh, and so this past week, there was one that came up on CNN that provided an insight into this whole, you know, discussion about um, these kinds of emotional support pets that uh, we just couldn't let go by. Uh, it had a scene of kids playing in Philadelphia with a. I'm not. I'm not lying about this. An alligator. Yeah, in Philadelphia. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's summer. It's not typically gator country, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, you know, we were in the SEC, so gators are something else entirely. Right. Anyway, <laughs> these kids were playing with this gator named Wally. And, uh, you know, it's, it's summer. It's been extremely, you know, big heat wave, even, you know, in the mid-Atlantic. And uh, I think they were filling up dumpsters with water to, you know, create, you know, uh, kind of ad hoc swimming pools. Uh, oh. And I'm not sure where it, where this gator came from initially, but uh, it, it really shows that there's this there was this young girl walking an alligator on a leash uh, as uh, they were playing in a series of water fountains uh, in Love Park. 
uh, as CNN reported on it. Uh, so, interestingly, they, sh- they they gave in this report that it is absolutely legal to own an alligator as a pet in Pennsylvania, but that it is against the law to release. You got a license for that alligator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's against the law to release it into the wild. Go figure. So no flushing it into the sewers like they used to do in New York yeah, City. Yeah, that's that's what we used to do when we go to Florida. We get a little, you oh, know, the good old down days. The, down, yeah, <laughs> and the, the good old days when you know when when uh, our, our our sewer systems were brand new. So, uh, but nonetheless, this 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 particular alligator Wally is a seven year old reptile. Uh, is a TikTok star and uh, is actually a, a bona fide licensed emotional support animal, uh, at least according to uh, his social media accounts. Uh, now, we are told, and this is a reptile, you know, so keep this in mind, that Wally likes to be pet and reportedly loves to give hugs. Um <laughs> So short hug with those arms, I guess. Yeah, right? little yeah, arms. Yeah, no, I know. Golly. So it was uh, Wally was adopted in 2016 by a reptile enthusiast, of course, uh, a guy named Joey Henry. And in uh, the Philly Voice reported all of this about Henny, who is uh, sadly and I, and was given some encouragement, obviously, and is certainly understanding why. Uh, any kind of emotional support is is so critical here. He's going under under rather undergoing cancer treatments, and has a GoFundMe page uh, to help cover the care for Wally uh, and other scary critters. Uh, as uh, he he other looks scary to critters. <laughs> scary or scaly? <laughs> is that what it says That's on the true. other scary critters? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that too. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, we believe that Wally uh, is uh, a hopeful contestant in America's favorite pet, uh, Animal Kingdom, an online competition for pets. Like we had needed one more thing to be competitive on the planet. Yeah. Uh, where the winner will receive, Wally, we're betting on you, will receive $10,000 uh and will be featured in a two-page uh, In Touch Weekly spread. Wally's TikTok account. Like a calendar, uh, like a calendar girl <laughs> spread. Like, yeah. like you just pull out the centerfold I and there's a lounging yeah. alligator. Does, the, does, the, does Wally have headshots available? Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should have them on. Now. I, I used to, as a kid in Florida, I used to go to this restaurant called Big L's, and their specialty was fried alligator, so I'm feeling really bad now. <gasps> You ate Taste Wally. Out. I mean, you said a lot like chicken. I got to be honest with you. You know, who knows? It could, those gators could have been big, you know, big time, but you had them for lunch. I know. You know, they yeah. were, it was good. I mean, gonna... yeah, I've had, I've had andouille made with gators. So, you know, uh, there you go. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's all the continuity of the theme we have where we've been picking on all these interesting things in Philly. So, First off, it was that they actually greased up all the light poles, you know, and we're like, who's the guy that came up with that, you know, that plan of going, you know what, to keep people from not climbing up the light poles when they, you know, win a professional uh, football game or, or basketball game or whatever, 
let's just put some grease on the light poles. Who who's the guy that takes it off the light poles? That's that's the guy I want to talk to. Um, right. And yeah, the, the, the we really did have this. It was a real story where they, it the way that they dealt with having swimming pools in Philadelphia is that they would actually take a dumpster and put it right on the street and line it with plastic and fill it with water. And that's how they have swimming pools in Philly. <laughs> so, Can't just, you do that in your truck bed? Isn't, isn't that a thing these days? Well, that's only in Kentucky. See, this is Philly. That's a completely different process. Right. You know, yeah. So in Kentucky, it's called a mobile pool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can, you can pull your trailer or your fifth wheel, you know, uh, RV, or you can just hang out with your friends in the, in the truck, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, uh, the thing that was getting me with this story is it's like weird. Where do you start with, you know, that discussion of going, hey, uh, mom, uh, so listen, I want to have an emotional support pit. (laughs) First off, I mean, just the front end of that question is just, you know, it's like, where do you go from there? But when it's like, I want a pet alligator. Uh, Hey, um, so we're going to, you know, double your dosage. Where do you where do you go from there? Maybe your doctor just writes a prescription yeah. for an alligator, you know, just and you just go down to the pharmacy and pick it up. Yeah, we're definitely gonna double your dosage. <laughs> right for sure. I, you know, I but the thing is is why would you have like a competition for an emotional support pet? My gator actually cares for me better than your cat. <laughs> How do you judge such a thing? like yeah what kind of criteria do you go through maybe it's just like a beauty pageant type of pet show off competition i i don't know if if i can get through anything that wants to hug me with tiny hands i'm sorry but (laughs) (laughs) i actually want to hug an alligator i want to know what that experience is like like is it is it like cool to the touch like is it you know like what does it does it feel like yeah, I, I had a pet iguana when I was a teenager, and you know they're 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 kind of hard to warm up to, <laughs> but I loved him. I loved to carry him around on my shoulder. You know, he's a you know great great companion at parties. But uh, yeah, uh, but anyway, you know, I'm gonna get you know give Wally a chance here, and you know I encourage everyone to check out the videos of uh, TikTok and uh, go to YouTube and. Uh, we promise you this story about Wally is not a complete crock. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I can hear him going banned once again. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened out of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, no. back, back when I was young, we only had imaginary friends. We didn't actually have pets that followed us. Well, around. do you think an imaginary friend could actually be an, an emotional support imaginary friend? I mean, do you have to get them a ticket to go on the plane with you uh that would get expensive really fast <laughs> but if you had more than one imaginary friend do you have to have multiple licenses i mean you know, where does it go from here i'm not really quite sure boy i bet a, i bet an alligator though could sh- could shuffle under a, a a whole row of airplane seats in a hurry boy that'd be that'd be fun to watch yeah and just when you thought it would it was just going to be okay to fly again. <laughs> yeah. Right. When you just gotten over snakes on planes. For sure. Didn't they used to make fancy luggage out of alligators? Isn't this just like the next iteration of alligator on a plane? 
what you're yeah. saying that the luggage <laughs> now has a TikTok account? Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is when it all starts to fall apart, isn't it? This, you were wondering when the apocalypse is coming. This is it right here. When you actually have an emotional support pet that's an alligator, this is when it all falls apart. Well, uh, we are going to talk about coffee <laughs> some more in our next segment. And uh, after we come back from this break, we're actually going to move to the Sidama region. And we actually have two different processing methods. We're going to talk about the natural and the wash that we have. And uh, maybe in kind of an integrated conversation because uh, there were some stark differences between them. And I look forward to us talking about that right after this break. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's Sips episode, we're actually talking about coffee from a single origin. In this case, we're actually talking about coffees from Ethiopia. And we just had a fun discussion of our topic-worthy discussion, emotional support pets, as an alligator. And Marina just asked me before we hop back on, do we actually have listeners in Philly? Well, probably not now. <laughs> so, but, hey, you know. Pick and we didn't even talk about sports. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Imagine that, that could be a long topic. Well, I do want us to get to talk about uh, the uh, coffees from Sadamo. Uh, Scott, so you actually picked two different, uh, you know, processing the natural Sadamo is the next one we wanted to go through. Yeah, the just the basic for our listeners, the basic differences are um, natural processed coffees that the cherry itself is allowed to uh, to dry on the coffee bean once harvested and and what's become kind of the the way of drying these coffees in Ethiopia is there's raised uh, drying beds, like big tables that have sort of a chicken wire and tarp on them. And uh, you're allowing some air to get up from, from underneath. And over a period of five to seven days, maybe weather dependent, that cherry uh, shrinks down and, and dries onto the coffee bean, which imparts some of that um, amazing fruit uh flavor reminiscent of you know black cherry or uh bing cherries that kind of deal and then wash coffees you're removing the pulp and um doing a process called fermentation no yeast added typically but um the exterior of the coffee bean once you take off that fruit is kind of uh kind of slimy and sticky and the fermentation process over a period of let's say 24 to 36 hours coffee sits in a tank and that that mucilage, the coffee honey on the outside of the bean, is uh, magically transformed to uh, becoming much looser. And then the coffee is washed again, washing off all that that sticky coating. And then the coffee is dried in parchment, which means uh, without its uh, cherry in the sun on those same kind of drying, raised drying tables. So that's you know a broad sense of the two the two processes. And in the cup. The wash coffees, as you'd expect, wouldn't have that same degree of, of cherry and, and red or black fruit as the uh, as the naturals do. Hmm. Typically, more more lemony, citrusy, that kind of thing. Exactly. So that's the mm. that's the that's the processing differences of those of those two guys. I will I will chime in and, and say that I've noticed that within the coffee professional world, there's some amount of disdain for naturals. I think that they've become more. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> they've they've definitely become scandal. more prominent. It it is. It's like coffee scandal. Um, I think it sucks. I think that sucks. I think it sucks. I mean, I'm a fan of of 
the, the naturals. But but a, a few years ago, there was kind of a big kind of scary discussion around around coffee that, that tastes more like a processing method than the beans itself or the region that it's grown in. That, that processing method can can sometimes like cover up the taste of the bean um, or cover up quality issues. Um, and, and of course, there are, there are sort of farmer farmer level issues as well about how we support farmers and different different processing methods. No, it's true. Where's my Starbucks? It's uh, it's amazing to see that, regardless, we're talking about Ethiopia today. But you know, as a as an importer and a and a, and a roaster, um, I can tell you that the the popularity of of natural processed coffees from everywhere in the world is is amazing. So we see naturals out of. Guatemala, a country that that did very little natural processed coffee before, we see them out of Honduras, and I don't know, is it right? Is it wrong? It's it's a processing thing. If there's a roaster that likes it, thinks it's interesting, and it's going to find a, a home and an audience, then producers will try it. Because for the farmer, it's all about you know how can I get the maximum amount of of income for the coffee that I have planted on my property. So I can't mm. really fault a farmer for doing that if there's a roaster willing to pay a big premium for natural processed coffee, then these guys are going to try it. So, you know, it's a mix, it's a mixed kind of outcome, I guess. Well, I think what was uh, interesting reading over my cupping notes here, one, uh, that my score for both these were exactly the same. Although if you were to read my, you know, cupping notes, you'd go, wow, these are really. So for the natural version, I, the first thing it caught me is rather earthy. Um, it actually had more flavor. Um, Let's see. I put like multiple fruits, um, mango, uh, kind of stone fruit, plum. Um, there was a more acid, you know, with this. So I actually wrote kind of a medium acid. Um, I actually finished my cupping note out here. Flavor has arrived. So <laughs> flavor train. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. What else did you guys think about the natural? Yeah, I got a lot of the uh, kind of uh, some bright stone fruit. And and uh, Scott mentioned earlier uh, for the for the first one that we were discussing uh, black tea, but I got black tea with this one for some reason. Um, the acid was a little brighter, uh, and it and the aroma uh, for me was kind of nutty, so I liked it. Yeah, the the Sidamo, the natural for me. Um, I don't know who said earthy, but a little a little bit earthy. Um, and it, you know, for me, I would like to see this coffee be a little bit cleaner. Um, it did have some of those uh, blueberry or berry notes, which again is typical from the the process that we discussed a second ago. Um, but you know, this is a a decent example of a natural Sidamo, not a uh, not a killer awesome eighty five, you know, SCA scoring coffee. Mm. Yeah, I, I wrote dirty date. So I thought it was like kind of a date that was dropped in the dirt. Um, you mean so, like, so date, like you go out with a date oh. or? Oh. <laughs> well, probably could go either way. It was like a story um, unto itself right there. Yeah, let's hear more about that. <laughs> yeah. Dirty date coffee. <laughs> forget, forget the coffee. <laughs> I actually wrote like Hungarian dinner next to this one because I thought mm. it was like stewed fruit, aromatic spice, nutty, like walnut, marzipan. Um, I thought it mellowed out a little bit as it cooled, but I thought it was also very, it, it just it felt very roast forward to me. And I know that it wasn't all that roast. It was just kind of a dirty flavor profile. Um, I wrote root beer, um, raisinette. Um, so, so it had a lot of that, that dark fruit. Um, but it, but it also like, I, I, I agree with Scott that it, it should have been a little cleaner. And I think that's what kept me from uh, increasing the rating. 
Well, our SIPS rating here for the Sadamo uh, Natural is a three. Interesting. Uh, let's move right along to the wash version of this. Mark, what were your cupping notes on the wash version of the Sadamo? Oh, uh, this was my favorite, hmm. hands down. And uh, I found that it was, uh, of course, a, a medium acidity, very approachable. I wanted a second cup immediately. Um, there was some light coca in there for me, and uh, as well as some bright fruit, little light cherry uh, and, and strawberry. Um, so, uh, very flavorful, but uh, a light coffee. Hmm. Marina, uh, I think this was one of your favorites of the flight too, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, this was the one. I, you can always tell when when you're tasting coffees or cupping coffees. Um, there's always that one cup that you keep going back to. So like the coffee level just kind of drops, drops down. And this, I found that that when I was comparing them all, this was the one I kept. I kept going back to, I thought it was heavy, heavy Jasmine, really aromatic. I actually mm-hmm. wrote, holy Jasmine, Batman. Um, nice and creamy hint of, I got, I got like a squeeze of lemon. I got like an oat milk type of creaminess. I got like a sugar crystal type of sweetness. Like, a, like I just, I dumped some sugar in there and stirred it around. Um, fruit, mango, light fruit, kind of tropical. Um, and, and still that nice creamy, creamy body. So, uh, so this one was my, was my absolute favorite. And, um, and I would be drinking this every day, nonstop. Um, Scott, send us some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I, I like this one too. I mean, citrusy, lemony, juicy, very clean. A um, lot of those uh, those high notes um, that I that I really like. This is this is a, a, a great Ethiopia Washidamo for sure. Yeah, it was definitely like I mentioned earlier, my favorite of the flight. The one thing I would add to this was I actually wrote down zero fruit. So. Um, you know, I, I know Reverend Mark said he picked up on some strawberries, but that was probably one of the the intensity of the flavor as well as you know the the absence of any fruit. I, you didn't get really, any fruit. I like wrote no down zero fruit. fruit. When I said zero fruit, I mean zero fruit. You're you know you know that lemons and limes are fruits, right? Yes, I know that. <laughs> I'm just just checking. I know. <laughs> I'm trainable. Anyway, <laughs> listen, uh, we have uh, a great rating for this. Um, our SIPS rating here for the Sedemo um, wash is going to be a four. You should definitely uh, check uh, that out for sure. Well, our last uh, coffee that we have here in our lineup is the Natural Guji. Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, as we mentioned, the region is, uh, is it, obviously, it's always been there, but it's been marketed as such in the last, say, decade. Um, and Guji's are, are, you don't see very many washed Guji coffees. It's just been known for that, um, the natural process coffees. And what I always look for in these sort of, if you think about the, the wine world, there's always a, a tell that uh, sommeliers discuss is, you know, what's the tell that I would know what this, this particular wine is? Well, the, the tell in this coffee is it has uh, a bit of eucalyptus in the background. So there's this kind of huh. eucalyptus note with florals with a lot of berry complexity and uh, this one has that i think it's a super cool coffee i for me the natural process coffees that have you know more balance and other things going on than just being a fruit bomb are the ones worth pursuing and i think this is an example of uh, of a pretty good one for for a guji natural that may be why the first thing i wrote down on my cupping notes was intense aroma i, I didn't pick up that you know 
it was going to be uh, that particular style of aroma, but um, of eucalyptus. But um, I'm sure that that may have played into it. What else did you guys think about the uh, the guji here, natural guji? Well, well, for me, and this was one that I that I roasted to, and I think I roasted it a little high, kind of a city roast. So the aroma, just because of what I did with uh, roasting with the air roaster, was that it was kind of a earthy baker's chocolate kind of coming off so probably wasn't the optimum roast uh but i did get uh talking about the eucalyptus i i on my flavor notes uh picked up cinnamon and licorice a little bit licorice uh, mm-hmm. a little licorice wow there's a lot to pick on there marina <laughs> so did we <laughs> did we say anything remotely close to each other no i i think so i mean i i love the eucalyptus note and i i did not write that down um but now i want to go back and brew it again and really oh really yeah hunt i, I totally that. want to go back and cup this again yeah because it's it's definitely one of those flavors that um that you don't expect out of coffee and then when you start tasting coffee in a, in a way that helps you experience those flavors like you're just sort of drawn back to to different flavors and it and i, and I know i've had a few of scott's coffees that have that really nice eucalyptus flavor in them um, and it's always like a really nice surprise when I, when I taste that, especially in a darker roast, do you think that that type of flavor would come out in a lighter roast? Yeah, this was one of the beans in our flight here that I don't recall that I've actually had a natural guji before. So th- that was nice for me to have something that it was kind of new and novel and different. So there were some other things I wrote down here. Uh, a really good balance. I did like a, it had a very good clean finish to it. There was definitely a lot more sugars, you know, I thought coming through on this. Um, and the fruit I picked up actually was mango, was what I wrote down again. It's a it's a kissing cousin of eucalyptus. Sure, <laughs> mostly related. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, I wrote a uh, blueberry, blackberry, black currant, and and I thought that it had a nice brown sugar, almost like a maple candy um, type of sweetness. There was just something really rich about it. Um, well, I like the fact that none of us said the same thing. So it's a cornucopia of coffee. <laughs> a lot going on in this cup. <laughs> we, going on? I will tell you that we did like it. Our sips rating for the natural guji is going to be a four as well. That's classified. Well, so there's a good overview of uh, some coffees uh, from this origin of Ethiopia. Hopefully you learned something, you know, here. Well, you know, it was really kind of cool to sit down and actually go through a full flight because it seems like, you know, I, I will sit down and I'll have like four coffees from the same region and they're different crops or or something else. But I think having this variety all at once, I really loved. How'd you guys like the flight? Send some more. I'm a little biased uh, because I I you selected it. all. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I thought it was brilliant, personally. Um, <laughs> no, I mean this is Ethiopia is a, an amazing country. Um, you know, we talked about this early on, all the history and being the birthplace of coffee. You can find uh, some really interesting and, and unusual coffees there. I, I think almost more than any place else. I mean these these coffees are you can tell they're related, but they're they're super different and showcase how how special the uh, the country is as a producing country. Mm. This was just a great opportunity. I mean, I'm a an enthusiast and a home roaster, but still nonetheless a, a novice 
um, and say that with with all due respect of, of to everything I've been learning today. But it, this has been a really good way for me. It has been a good way for me to um, kind of have parallel tastings of natural and washed, and to kind of understand to dig a little deeper into what those differences are. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been a a great journey. It is, you know, it's it's funny. You think um, you think about South and Central American coffees, and you think about Indonesian coffees, and African coffees are just like they're a little more adventurous. Like the flavor profiles can be a little wild, um, and especially if you like darker roasts, then I think a lot of you see a lot of African coffees very lightly roasted. So I think that as a dark roast lover, like don't don't write off the Africans because they really can bring a lot of the flavor profile that you like, and they they can definitely stand up to to whatever brew method you want them to stand up to. And, and they don't have to sort of live in that, oh, I don't love light roasts, you know, give me something like really rich. Like these, these coffees can, can stand next to anything else. Mm. Well, uh, there's definitely uh, a lot of graded coffee that will be available from uh, Ethiopia. Maybe look out for the four that we talked about here. There's uh, definitely some more, um, a lot more uh, coffees. <laughs> this is not from, the end of Ethiopia. This coffee. is just the <laughs> very tip of the, uh, you know, the iceberg, so to speak. So uh, it's a great region. You should definitely explore all of the wide variety of things that you'll have available from Ethiopia. Well, I want to thank my co-host for joining me for this conversation on this origin for Ethiopia today. Good old boy, Scott. Thanks. Keep on roasting in the free world. Oh, wow. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Good old gal, Marina. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, If you're interested in trying more great coffees, you can find my company Beanbox at beanbox.com or on the shelves at select Walmarts across the country. Reverend Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, and see you later, alligator. I <laughs> wonder, wonder what variety the alligator would enjoy. <laughs> hey, this is Good Boy Mike asking you to come back. Join us for another exciting episode, and I will ask you to keep on sipping. Where's our applause? I want some applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap. Just tap it in. The subscribe button. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a The easiest way to listen to our show is to ask Siri, Alexa, Google, Uncle Larry, or whoever it is that talks to you on your phone. Play podcast Sip Suds and Smokes. We love your feedback, and you can reach us at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at Sip Suds and Smokes, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with the thousands, millions, and millions of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor. Take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Come back, join us for another episode, and keep on sipping. This 
This has been a One Tan Hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.